Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where from the period of time of March 2021 through June 2022, I interviewed 182 founders, executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and authors from over 50 different countries and built a global audience in 165 countries while posting and producing my podcast at the Irish Tech News platform. Since then, I realized there's a lot of incredible content in the interviews that I had and my interviews with thought leadership podcast interviews that had amazing gems, amazing gems from um, all the guests that I was able to interview. And so I've chosen and decided to create the uh, Crypto Hipsters Chronicles series, which is a series of the gems, the, the little tiny pieces from each of the interviews that I had in the areas of Bitcoin, Ethereum, metaverses, NFTs, regulatory issues in crypto globally, art, and you name it across the wide spectrum of different verticals in blockchain and crypto industry and in fintech and mobility and sustainability as well. Uh, these are about 15 minutes long, each uh, chronicle, and has three, four, or five different segments from different interviews. So I hope you enjoy them. Uh, I hope you have uh, learned a lot. And if you'd like to um, listen to the full podcasts, they are available online at both the Irish Tech News um, and on Anchor. And uh, in a future date, will be available on the Crypto Hipsters station as well. So please enjoy and uh, talk to you soon. Welcome to Crypto Hipsters Chronicles, episode 22, Crypto Valley Insights, how Switzerland is poised to be a crypto global leader. This compilation, this Chronicles compilation, includes interviews from four people throughout the last year and a half. First is Felix Honeywatches, who is the CEO of Exchange Monster. Next is Ralph Kubli, who is with the Casper Association. Vibov Kartikar, who is the CEO and founder of Close Cross. And Daniel Steves, who is the founder of Two to Birds. Enjoy. Switzerland um, is looking to become, you know, the global leader in crypto. And mm-hmm. and uh, based on what I see going on in the U.S. Reg- with regulatory agencies, um, it has a good shot, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Switzerland does. So what? how can Switzerland become that global leader? Um, and then, you know, in, in not only overall, but in like rabbit holes too, like DeFi, NFT, Metaverse mm-hmm. and Gaming. Um, honestly, I think it's already here. I mean, it already is. It's the it's 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 the it's the funniest thing. It's one of the most hidden secrets. Uh, the, I mean, if you came to the if if you came to Tugna, I mean, to the Crypto Valley, and you see sort of just sort of where we are in the geographical area, you'll find everyone that matters in uh, in in crypto. I mean, the Ethereum Foundation is there. The um, uh, Tezos Valley. It, it, it is. It is a it, it is an incredible uh, ecosystem of very very high class uh, 
well well run uh, projects i mean there was a report some months ago uh, that just looked at 50 of them 13 of them have become unicorns within three years it's um it's 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 a it's a vibrant ecosystem that I can only advocate to 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 anybody with clear clear regulation. Uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, let's not you know this is like let's not deny the fact that it takes uh, it takes insight and planning and resources and all of those type of things. But if you're willing to work in the in 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 in, in the framework, it's an incredibly rewarding environment. And what is that framework like? Yeah, the framework is essentially as follows. So, um, so you, if you want to create any type of um, a blockchain, crypto, however you want to call it, um, a, a business model, it is um, simply required that the parties are known to one another, right? Because like so. So the whole the, the, the whole element of uh, you know previous crypto that you um, that you oh no it's all about um, it, it's all about freedom it's all about expression and all of that is only true to a certain to, to a certain degree for us for instance as a regulated exchange it means of course uh, KYC and um, uh, anti money laundering and all of those type of um, and all of those type of elements need to be um, need to be observed. And um, you must be willing to partner essentially with the uh, with with the regulator in um, in working on 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 the business model. As soon as the business model uh, is um, is is clear to the regulator within that framework, you can do whatever you want. Just like they don't want to, they they have got no say on any type of regulation. Uh, sorry, on any type of technology choices, on architecture choices, on chain choices whatever the whatever the element um, might be that you might be uh, that you might be pursuing um, it's simply do we have clarity on the parties that are being involved in these um, in these transactions and that's actually basically it all right so I'm not gonna I'm, I'm... I got a master's degree in finance right and the first instrument that I learned about back then was bonds right you mentioned some other ones you know i'm not going to get into credit default swaps or cdos but just yes. like, let's take bonds how can how can we tokenize bond offerings and how can financial smart contracts impact or innovate this um this 60 40 model of equity and bonds okay so let's speak about the bond first so um we at casper we're working you know on a project that would really kind of revolutionize how financial assets are issued um including they can also be tokenized and what, what what is our philosophy at this point so we believe that as i described before bonds specifically obviously are exchange of cash flows over time right so i give you money today and we, we enter into a contract that says i give you 100 today and you pay me back 100 at the end of 12 months and for example and within this 12 months, every 30 days, you pay me a certain amount of interest, you know, 2%, 3%, um, 4%, if it's really risky, 8% maybe, right? So we agree on, on that, on those cash flows. So I give you money today, you pay me interest every 30 days. So this, this exchange of cash flows uh, can be described algorithmically, right? Because we have a formula, right? Now we, we, we basically calculate this interest payment every 30 days. 
And, and this should be contained, this description, this algorithmic definition of these interest payments and how the principal is paid back should be as part of the token of this bond token that we issue, right? So that everybody that looks at this token should be able to say, ah, I understand it's month six today. I understand there were six interest payments paid today. And I look at this at this smart contract or at this token, and I can see how the future cash flows are calculated, right? So I can make this, I can do these calculations myself instead of what maybe some of your listeners know, instead of going to a Bloomberg or to a Refinitiv um, and check out the, you know, for example, the, the, um, the, um, the term sheet of the bond, right? And the conditions of the bond, right? So basically what we are proposing is that there should be a machine readable term sheet, right? And there should be a machine executable and also machine readable uh, algorithm that basically describes these cash flows, right? So, um, so that's one area that I think is really important. Now, obviously there are many people that could program such cash flow patterns, right? They could, you know, they could basically program a bond happens today. I think that's a really bad idea to leave it up to, you know, 22 year olds or 28 year olds to, to program a bond. I think it should be left to experts and such experts exist. You know, they have, basically provided the blueprint it's this this um foundation is called actus a-c-t-u-s uh financial research foundation actus frf.org is the organization they have a java reference code implemented description of financial instruments including bonds right so you basically have a machine readable term sheet and you basically have you know machine readable and executable algorithms that let you define how these cash flows look like so that's what we're proposing and we are taking this standard uh, we like open source standards it's an open source standard anybody can use it and we basically assign it to a bond a bond token for example right um and the other aspect uh, before we get to the 60 40 model the other aspect is that we believe that today's problems with people that do tokenize bonds or do tokenize financial instruments is that many times they are preoccupied with you know how can this instrument be booked where can it be stored who can own it so more of the logistical aspects of these tokens not so much of you know what really are the values inside which would be then the cash flow description uh, and the other aspect is they are um many times they only tokenize the asset side so yeah i have the right to receive okay but where where is the liability who pays you know and uh, who holds the liability i'd like to know right so that would be kind of an important aspect and and of course in a tokenized environment these liabilities should also be tradable not just the asset side but the liability side right the obligation to pay you know, could also change hands, right? So, so that's basically what we're proposing. So, yeah, a token that is clearly understood what it is and can be read by a machine and executed by a machine, and you know, at the same time have a have a token that has both the liability and the asset inside. Let's talk about crypto. Then you mentioned that you uh, launched your first digital currency in 1999. How does that? early days of cryptocurrencies relate to some of the prediction cryptos that you see out there today, like 
like Augur, like Genosis, and like others? Yeah, so Augur and Gnosis are absolutely the prediction markets out there, right? And they'll let you predict on many different outcomes. Uh, the shortcoming I see there is that it's highly, highly complicated, right? I mean, you've got to go through four layers. You've got to fund your collateral, and then you're floating a contract, and you're hoping somebody comes in rather than a centralized party uh, who is issuing a derivatives contract in the current traditional environment. Now you've got more people playing the centralized party. So it's just replacing who is playing that role, right? So I don't see the direct link between the specific tokens or the cryptocurrencies and actually how the prediction markets behave, because those two are not necessarily one and the same thing, right? But looking at the digital currency which we had in 99, I think those were the seeds of thought. Let's call it like that, right? Because the infrastructure was really not there to make it immutable. So you still had to rely on me being a digital uh, currency issuer who is a centralized party. So yes, it had some things correct, but a lot of things wrong with it. And I think what you see right now is this whole complete decentralization, especially with networks like Bitcoin and Ethereum, where it is absolutely decentralized. Some of the tokens are not, but we're not going to talk about them and trash them today. But the ideas are building on top of each other. So I see the sphere of crypto developing by leaps and bounds in the coming months and years. You know, a few months are equal to a decade in the traditional world. So that's why I say months and years, because everybody's building on the new ideas that are coming about. And while everybody is trying to spot some pain points or some imbalances in the systems today, which can be corrected, um, I think it's just going to grow from here, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a difference between the normal crypto sphere, the evolution of the digital currencies into cryptocurrencies into something which is completely immutable and decentralized. But yeah, the cryptocurrencies which are helping platforms like Augur and Gnosis, I actually don't see a real need for those tokens. And I've had discussions about these on panels before. And which is why you see that they started with a single token platform, but they've quickly moved on to a dual token. Because what you're saying is, if you are making predictions, and if those predictions are volatile by nature, you cannot do predictions on a volatile asset with a volatile token itself, which is why you need stable coins. Right? So we already had that in mind, which is why on our platform, we don't have our own tokens. You don't need a token to participate on our platforms. At least we don't have one right now. We might do one like a Uniswap airdrop once we've got enough customers who've done a lot of trading. So that is obviously on the table. However, that being said, I think the real idea for any prediction market is to base it on stable coins because you can't have volatile assets being used to bet on something which is volatile inherently in nature. Um, you, you talk about gaming, you talk about BattleX, and I, I got to ask you what your thoughts are in the application or where we're at right now in the application of prediction markets and prediction models in NFTs. Prediction models in NFTs is a, is a really difficult one because, I mean, you, you, prediction models in crypto in general just kind of confuse me to be honest now i'm not a i'm not a deep finance expert so when i look at candle charts and all of this other stuff i have to look close to see what's going on but most of that is done from historical data and the trends that are out there and to be honest we don't have the level of historical accuracy that we need to be able to do that with crypto we certainly don't with nft uh nfts rather with crypto itself it's a, a little bit closer to the mark uh, on, on some of the major coins but the vagaries of the market and the way things go up and down are 
a complete confusion to anybody. Anybody who tells you they're an expert are they aren't telling you the truth. You can be an expert in economies and in cryptos and all of the different technologies around it, but in terms of how the market works. So you'll see on LinkedIn, for example, people posting candle charts that say, oh, Bitcoin's going to hit this or drop to that because of this. And sometimes it does, and they feel great about themselves. And other times it doesn't, and they just make the same excuses that I just made. So when you apply that to the NFT space, God, I don't know how to answer the question because I don't know how to do anything predictive in there. Um, I'm involved. I, I, I got lucky on a draw and I bought a Damien Hurst currency NFT, which is a really cool project that he's come in. And I'm not a real big Hurst fan, to be honest, but he's printed 10,000, I think it is, or 9,000 NFTs based on original works that he's created. And you have, you bought it for a certain amount of money and it, currently they've gone up I've seen them as high as 80 times the cost of the original purchase, and they're wavering around 15 times that right now. But what's interesting about it is that, and, and why the prediction model can't apply is, is because of human behavior. His project is you have 12 months to decide that you're going to keep the NFT or exchange it for the original. And to exchange it for the original is to get like an eight and a half by 11 signed numbered Damien Hurst uh, like original, not uh, nothing copied about it. Every single one of them is unique. And you can have that and frame that and put it on your wall, or you can have the NFT. If you choose the physical, the NFT is burnt. If you choose the NFT at the end of this 12-month period, the physicals themselves, the actual paintings, his originals, his, his work will be burnt. The same way as NFTs are burnt, except with real fire. So... Is that going to drive the value of them up? I mean, a, a few hundred have been redeemed. Has it made a difference in the market? No. The market tends to go in the NFT space for the people who have been making profits on their Ether and Bitcoin, then roll some of those profits into buying NFTs. Uh, when, the, when the market is down like it was a couple of weeks ago, the traffic is less. When the market is up like it is now, the, the traffic goes up. Uh, but when you have somebody turning around and selling themselves a crypto punk or a bored ape for $6 million, when it's actually going from his own wallet to his own wallet, which has been tracked and proven, then the prediction models are based on these types of transactions, and that totally skews any accuracy from what I would say. So this NFT stuff, the reason we have these non-fungible birds the way that we've done it to, to evolve rather than breed. And it, 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 the breeding is interesting. You take two, two crypt NFTs and you create a third one. And uh, Zed Run Horses, I think it is, have been clever and they've, they've removed the incest formula. So a brother and sister horse can't breed, whereas in the other spaces they can so you'll, you'll see that type of stuff a little bit more but you take two nfts and you create a new one or you have uh somebody takes the crypto punks and create the COVID punks by cre recreating them all by putting a mask over their face but they are still just pieces of art whether you call them art or not whatever your preference is but they're just pieces of art that have no real function so this is why we tried to tie the revenue generating business of the games arena into the application of the nfts so that both would have potential to increase each other's value because of the function and the utility of them